Dog Bless You is all about celebrating the love we have for our dogs, which is why I cannot think of a better sponsor for the podcast than our friends at Button Up Box. As well as delivering fresh, healthy meals for dogs that are made with 60% meat, 40% vegetables and lentils, and absolutely no nasties, Button Up Box also genuinely cares about all dogs and their humans. In fact, everything they do is for the love of dogs. And our listeners can fetch 50% off their first two Button Up Boxes by visiting buttonupbox.com slash dogblessyou. That's buttonupbox.com slash dogblessyou to get 50% off your first two boxes. Thank you so very, very much to Button Up Box. Hello and welcome to Dog Bless You, the podcast about rescue dogs, the Wild at Heart Foundation charity and our love of dogs in general. I'm your host, Nikki Tibbles, and in this series, we'll speak to people about their experiences with their companions and how a dog can change your life for the better. But we'll also hear some harrowing stories about the lives of some dogs here in the UK and around the world. And more importantly, we'll tell you how you can help end that. But for now, let's meet today's guest. Today on Dog Bless You, I continue my conversation with the superhuman Peter Egan. And we pick up where we left off last week, where we discussed the importance of animal welfare and education. Yes, absolutely. I think that education, of course, is vital. Will it help? <laughs> yes, I think it will. I mean, we still live in, in, in the UK with a Victorian attitude towards animals and, um, and edu- education. I mean, like if you think that even to this day, you have um, schools, classes with um, hamsters in cages and rabbits mm. in cages and stuff like that, which is totally contrary to mm. animal welfare stroke rights because they're not designed to be kept in a cage. Zoos, a total um, misconception in terms of our relationship with animals. It's like zoos are not zoos. Well, they are zoos, but they're they're prisons, basically. That's all they are. With open rights for any human to go and view the prisoner. You know, you don't have that in in ones with scrubs. We have, I mean, there will come a time um, when the zoos don't exist, there's only sanctuaries. And the, and the condition of visiting these animals is not that you go under their terms, not under your terms, which means you're lucky to see the animal if the animal happens to be in a position of wandering around and you can see it, um, then that, that's lucky. But you can't go there and demand to see it. But what you can demand is that the cameras are put in certain places so you can actually see wildlife in its own habitat, behaving naturally. Yes. You know, we have, we have, you know, with all of the great, great David Attenborough programs, all of the wildlife programs we have, uh, have available to us now, where you can see magnificent species close up, being very personal, which you can never see in a zoo. What no. you see in a zoo is an animal behaving... Tormented. Yes, in a, you know, a stereotypic um, caged animal, you know, ex- displaying distress yeah 
that's all you see in those circumstances. So, I mean, yes, yes, education, it has to be education, and people have got to stop this sense of dominion, as I said at the beginning, this sense of ownership. We have got to stop believing that we own living creatures. We don't own each other. We don't expect to own our partners, you know. We don't expect to own our children. We have a responsibility, a creative and intelligent responsibility to our own species that is, is betrayed all the time because we are so imperfect anyway. But we have to start, I think, adopting the belief that we don't own any other living creature. And that's our major problem. Then there's corruption, which is a huge problem. So, and it, it is both of those things that actually delay true education. And in the end, it is only going to be education that actually solves this problem. It's like, in terms of the, 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 the Black Lives Movement in America, you know, it is up to the white supremacists to actually understand that black lives have exactly the same rights as they have wished for, for themselves, basically. That's a huge educational problem that has created a schism, and it does in all societies, as we know. Um, so, you know, it, yes, it, it, education is essential and is the main driver of change. It has to be. Um, but it, it is also getting education um, in the right circumstances that it isn't conditioned and, and controlled by any kind of dictatorship, but it is, it is, it is an open sharing and understanding. Um, I, yes, I, I, of course it's education. I, I believe, for me, that the, the biggest keys to opening any problem are the keys that are labeled empathy, compassion, and understanding, kindness. Um, if, 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 you can go in, if you go into the room, all right, you, can, you can mark the door welfare, but once you open the door, if within that room is a library that actually makes you understand that welfare is only the first step. And the most important step, and I'm repeating myself, the most important step from welfare is rights. Yeah. The moment you open the, the, the magical door, which is the door which says rights, we all have rights, not opinions, but rights. And the most important right is the right to life. And let's, how, how are we going to change that? And how are we going to change that globally? And it, it's it, it's a a huge ask, isn't it, Peter? If you can feel it, and I can feel it. Why can't other people? I, I I have no idea. I mean, you know, I I I was very militant in my beginnings of being vegan, and you know, I and I still can't. I mean, I won't have meat in my home. I I don't buy meat for if I'm I'm out with my team who are working, you know. Um, it might be be lucky if they get a falafel sandwich. You know, it's um, uh, I, I, that's, and of course I, I have the the charity, and we are have about to introduce a, an animal, um, a, 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 a sort of a compassionate and kindness program 
onto a curriculum which we're developing to go into schools which hopefully we can then roll out globally because it is so vital and if we we, we teach one child then we reach seven or eight adults and what's so sad is it, it becomes more relevant it's more relevant now than it seems ever before even though there are far more people who are becoming vegetarian or, or vegan or eating less meat you know just start by eating less meat every day start by rescuing a dog and, and saving a life and you know it especially it's especially poignant in a way now with with covid and <sighs> one would hope you know something good has to come out of what is going on in our world right now and we started this conversation with you know your visit to wildlife markets and a reference to you know the the market in wuhan you know that probably hasn't changed i mean the world is is in complete and utter chaos and i can imagine that that you know, wildlife, wet market, wildlife market, extreme meat markets are still happening all over the world as we speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, what is extraordinary is that- What do we learn? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I hope, I hope, like you, I hope we will learn from this because people are saying, depending on your politics, either you, if you're a white supremacist like Trump, you call it, the Chinese flu. The fact is that this is a pandemic that is not created by animals. It's a pandemic that's created by humans. Mm -hmm. of and course. We've, you know, we, nobody relates to that. You know, people- We don't want to admit that though, do we? We don't want to admit it, absolutely. No, absolutely. categorically, it's not our fault. And also there is this thing where people say, well, of course, you know, wildlife markets in China are a multi-million dollar industry which has created a multi-trillion dollar deficit to deal with the problem that that multi-million dollar industry has created for the world so it doesn't make financial sense so and we also discover because you know we, we've heard in the uk so often look you can't do that there's no such thing as a money tree well, we discover, funnily enough, there is a money tree if, if you need the fruit from that tree to solve a problem. And so, we, you know, the trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions it's taking to solve this problem. If one draws a line under that, when this problem is solved and we don't start contributing, again, colluding with our own disaster again, contributing to the next pandemic, if the fruit that we took from that, the trillions we took from that money tree is put into places and reinvested in those places to actually provide um, uh, 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 businesses and work that are going to benefit them and our planet, yes. rather than destroy our planet, then I think that would make quite good economic sense. I mean, it's, it's idealistic, so a financier would say, you're an idiot, go away. But there must be some kind of truth financially in the fact that it's better to have industries or uh, that are creative and sustainable and not destructive. Well, the, I believe the Humane Society that you work with closing down the, the dog meat farms in South Korea were training the farmers in another... Yeah, they, they were, yes. 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 And I think 
sorry, the same with, with um, in Northern Thailand with, with soy dog, that they were closing down meat farms and, and training the farmers in, in sort of, uh, in, a, in another way of, of earning a living so that they, you know, will, you'll go and, and, and close down a dog meat farm. You will take away the, the horrific crates that these dogs are forced to live in all their short lives and but they'll just rebuild it 500 meters down the road a condition that humane society international have with a, a dog meat farmer it's that they have, they have to sign a contract that they will not restart this business and all of their cages are destroyed yes everything is taken away and it's exactly as you say it is a replacement way and that's absolutely right you can't take someone's even though it is horrific you can't take a means of making a living away from them um, without offering them a replacement. Um, but, I mean, that is a system that is working to a, the degree that it is working. And the same with Animals Asia, the great, my favourite charity on the planet. Yes. Asia, which is the, the amazing Jill Robinson. And the, the, the disaster of the bear bile industry, which is, that, again, it's a, you know, the bear bile farms are legal in China. And there yes. are 18,000 magnificent bears caged in the most horrific conditions in China in order to have their bile extracted from their gallbladder daily. And whatever the acid in their gallbladder, which is good for human conditions like joints and stuff and rheumatism, is produced better synthetically than... It can be produced exactly, yes. can't it, synthetically? Absolutely. And it Down is, to the very last molecule. It is, in fact, produced synthetically, and it is much better. Um, but there is this, again, generally old bloke's idea that it's got to come from the bear or from the animal. And again, in contradiction of Chinese pharma, which is supposed to be non-invasive. But um, these, what we, why I'm sort of edging in that direction is because what we're talking about is attitudes. How are we going to change yes. people, people's attitudes? And I, I do, that's why I keep the mantra that Animals Asia started last year, which I believe in, is the only cure is kindness. And I believe that to be true. Yes, look, I have it on my wrist. There it is. You see it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Be kind. Be kind. That's it. You've got it. Be that's kind. wonderful. Yes, well, that's the answer to everything, basically. I find so frustrating, Peter, is that, you know, you, kindness costs nothing. Yes. A, a smile. I was getting petrol the other night, and there was a guy sitting outside my on the petrol at the forecourt, the station, and he had this beautiful staffie with him, and it was freezing cold. And I happened to have a dog bed in the back of my car and a blanket and some dog food, uh, obviously, and I did have some snacks for him. And I, and, but I went up to him and I said, you know, are you okay? And he said, and I, and I smiled at him, and he said. I can't remember the last time anyone smiled at me. He didn't want anything. I mean, I literally, I just stood there, my tears pouring down my face. This is just on the Harrow Road, you know. And, and that was the first thing he said to me. I can't, because people, we don't acknowledge people sitting on the streets. We just walk past. It's the same as we don't want to acknowledge any problems in our lives. We don't want to acknowledge that, oh, that piece of organic pork you've had this evening's had a, a great life but no actually it's gone to the same place to be killed and experienced exactly the same feelings had it been lived in a 
you know, in a sales stall all its life. There's no difference. But there's this, this guy and he had this beautiful dog with him. And then I said, well, can I get you some, a hot drink or some food? He said, no, no, no. He said, I, I, my, my dog needs some food, but, you know, um, they don't sell it here. So I did happen to have a bag of dog food in my car, uh, obviously, um, just in case anyone get hungry. But that was all he wanted. He cared about his dog. And, and that's, that's why I love what Michelle and Dots do so much. But, but this man, he, he was so grateful for someone to notice him. And that's where kindness starts. And that cost me, or it doesn't cost you, me, anyone on this planet, anything. And that kindness should not just be to us, to other people, but as, as you say, to all animals on our planet, because they have as just as much right, even more so, to be here and to be able to live and to thrive in their own environment. Absolutely. And it's it's tragic do, do you think that some some change will come because of covid with the the way these animals have been um caught treated and sold in these wildlife markets can you have you have you seen a change have you heard from lola that or humane society that anything is changing no i haven't heard that there is huge change because at the moment everyone is preoccupied with solving the problem yeah and i think that one is only i think it, what needs to happen once it is once the vaccine is working and once we have um, got rid of this this virus um, um what there needs to be a huge examination um about how we got where we got of to of course yeah um, and how and and then when people can't say, I've got too much I can't think about at the moment because I, mm. well, I've got to get enough food on the table. I've got to get enough, you know, I, I, can't, I haven't got time to think about that. Yeah. So when we hope that people have time to think about that, then we need to open that hugely important Pandora's box yes. and, and, and let all of these things out. And also the big charities, as you said earlier on, all the big charities should get together and rather than competing with each other, should work together to actually keep the message going out. Yes, I don't know why. I mean, I, I mean, you've worked in charity and with so many different charities that you know. I have I have a list that we haven't even touched on the work that you do in the charities, the amazing work with that with all the charities that that you work with. That you know, I I I I, I always find it quite extraordinary that you know you offer to help or you ask for advice or if we could achieve so much more together but again you know people in charities they seem to just want to keep everything to themselves you know they they want to work in their own way they won't want to work I, I i don't know there's an awful lot of ego in it a lot of there's a lot of ego that's for sure there is a lot of ego and there is a lot of competing in the marketplace also a lot of charities, a thing that I have a problem with, I mean, I'm a, I'm a vice president of the RSPCA and I'm very, I'm very proud to be that, but I have great issues with the RSPCA because it, it being a multi-species a multi charity, they are in areas that I don't think they should be in. They don't have a vegan chapter. So, you know, I, I, I think, because I think, the RSPCA will be 200 years old in 2024, and going into the next 100 years of its existence, I think they need to do things that embrace um, um, a much more modern um, attitude to how you deal with so many things. 
Yes. Um, and, but I'm very happy that they are receptive to my talking to them about that. Are you going to make that happen, Peter? I'm going to speak to Chris Sherwood, this, this CEO, and, and see if I can um, encourage point of view about that. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, most of the people I know in the RSPCA are vegans, you know, so, you know, so they, but I've been to their restaurant there and you're lucky if there's a vegetarian option. Well, it's like, likewise, if you go and, you know, I love Battersea Dogs Home and everything that they do. And I, I work with them on their fundraising committee, but I was always the one that was going, why are we serving beef exactly at a dinner? You're right. Um, it's crazy. It makes no sense to me. It's just a big hunk of meat on your plate when you're standing up giving money to you know, raise, to raise money for new kennels for dogs. And then when having then visited Romania and started looking at my, you know, setting up the foundation, I just realized that Battersea were building a sort of five-star hotel equivalent to the Ritz where most dogs live in, in shelters across the world that were utterly, utterly, I just, you know, beyond words of beyond words you know you visit a shelter in Romania you just can't believe what you see and how the dogs are kept and treated do you know Robert Smith he's a man um, a shelter in Romania where he has a sanctuary where he has 600 dogs which he cares for it's amazing Robert Smith I'll introduce thank you I'd like that I'd yeah. like that we're, we're looking to work with another with another shelter in Romania and as I said Robin and I wanted to go out and visit a, a couple of shelters that we could work with together but um, just just briefly you have before we end because I could talk to you for hours but I'm very conscious of taking up your so much of your time but um, <laughs> your dogs you have four beautiful rescue dogs so just tell us a little bit about your dogs and who they are and where they came from? Well, um, Megan uh, is a full staffie. Um, we've had Megan for about 12 years now. Um, when we got Megan, um, she was rescued from a puppy farm and she was so frightened and aggressive, her teats nearly touched the ground because she had just given had a litter and then she'd obviously had she'd come to the end of her being able to have litters or becoming more difficult so they threw her out and so um we rescued her um from all dogs matter a charity that i was in from the very beginning i'm a trustee and patron and uh, um in fact all the dogs i have now are all from all dogs matter um and if if myra or i raised our voices megan would wet herself. She was so frightened. She'd been so badly treated. I couldn't take her out. She doesn't come out with me when I go on walks now. But then when we first got her 12 years ago, she was terrified. I tried to, we lived just opposite Hampstead Heath at the time, and I would take her out with my other dogs. And, um, and she just couldn't deal with it. And so I said, to my, like our conversation earlier on, before we started this um, this podcast, I, I, I said to myself, why am I trying to force her to do something she doesn't want to do? If she doesn't want to go for a walk, then I'm not going to take her for a walk. If she's happy at home here, we have a garden, she, you know, she's not in a cage, um, then she has the right to have that kind of life. So she, that's the life she chose. And she is perfectly happy, been perfectly happy for 12 years like that. And she's the most adorable dog, the most loving dog. And um, 
Uh, my only sadness is that she's getting, she's 12 and, you know, one can see, you know, the, the clock ticking. Anyway. Um, and that, nev we know, never gets easier. Never gets easier. Never gets easier. And it, and it never will. No. Uh, never will. Absolutely not. Never will. And, but we'll keep going back for more. Oh, every time. <laughs> it's because I, both Myra and I love dogs so much. But uh, when we lose a dog, and we have enormous grief, of course, as we all do. Um, I, I don't want to let that grief limit my going forward. So I have always in the past replaced the dog very quickly. So when, the, when I replaced is the wrong word, but when the dog has died, it's made space again for another dog to be rescued. Yes. So I honor that dog and it's passing. I agree. giving yeah. life to another dog. And, um, and I say that to, to lots of people and lots of people find that difficult to understand because they think it's betraying your grief or minimizing your grief, whereas in fact it's celebrating your grief and celebrating the wonderful creature that is the cause of your grief. Um, so Titus is a dog that I, is just lying over in his bed. Uh, um, it's a dog that we rescued from Sarajevo, from um, Suffering Strays, um, patron of uh, Milena Milesevic, who has... Yes, a, I know. You made there was a, a fantastic film. That's right. That was made, yes. Absolutely amazing film. Um, and uh, so Tidus again um, was so badly treated, and Milena was so thrilled that we took him because she, she he, he broke her heart. He was so sad. Um, so he came over to us, and in fact, when I picked him up, um, he was very very nervous, and I sat him on my lap, and. Um, Within five minutes, he pooed on my lap. This is before I got into the car. As, as he was, I was so relaxed. He was so it's either so relaxed or whatever. And and I, all I could think of saying to him was, um, "Well, I'm glad you only pooed and didn't pee, because it was easier to deal with the poo." But never, I changed my trousers as soon as I got home. But nevertheless, I got him. <laughs> I got him and put him in in, in, in the back of uh, of the car, and um, uh, and he seemed to, to relax. But having got him, then I got him home and then cleaned up and everything. I thought, well, I'll give him a little walk on the heath just to give him, you know, some, couldn't put a collar on him. Couldn't put a, anything on him at all. Hates, hates anything near his neck. Hates a harness on him. So I tried for a week to encourage him to walk outside. Doesn't want to do it. Doesn't want to walk. He's too frightened. He's obviously been hooked too many times. So we've had Titus now for, um, must be nine years. Again, he's he never, never been out, never, 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 he, perfectly happy, loves it. Now we've moved to Surrey from Hampstead and I have a much bigger garden. So at least they have much more space to get out and run around like a little park really. Um, so, and that was the reason why we moved was, for the, was to give them more space. Um, so those are two of our dogs now of the, of the four that we have that, are just too, have been so badly treated by humankind that they want their own space and they and they are reclusive. They love being with us and they follow us around the house. Where you know, someone someone said to me, "What what is the thing? If you didn't have a dog, what would be the thing that you would sort of register most?" Um, and I said, "I think it would be going to the loo." I said, <laughs> "On your own." <laughs> exactly. Every time I go to the loo and the door's not locked, the door is open and a head will pop around the door and say, oh, there you are. Okay, I'll see you in a minute. Yeah. 
So, you know, there's that, that, that kind of things that I will notice um, if there is a time when I don't have dogs. And then I ha we have the, uh, the final two dogs, is, um, Boo and, and Pippa, who you, you saw, are both snappy crosses. And I'm, I, I am just soppy about Pippa. I, I adore all of my dogs, but Pippa just touches me with her paw in a different way to the other three. Um, and so I, but anyway. And Pippa's, Pippa was from? Pippa was rescued from, from uh, was, was just abandoned. I got her through All Dogs Matter and the yeah. same, same with Boo. And, um, but they adore going out. So yeah. if I'm not out early enough with them, they're saying, what's, what's going on? Looking at their, what, what, what are you doing? Why are you sitting there having a coffee? Come on, let's get going. <laughs> so, so, you know, they are the complete opposite and they just love getting out and love. And luckily I live in this wood that sort of surrounds us. So getting out into the wood with them every day is the most magical time because mm -hmm. one, I can experience the most wonderful nature. <laughs> I know, and nature is wonderful. I mean, that's the one thing we have to be thankful for on our planet. And I think for me, one of the most inspirational things in my life is nature. Indeed. I mean, it's it is an extraordinary thing. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. it, is, it is, and and I think certainly it, 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 again in the lives that we're living to just be outside and be at one and at peace. Because I'm very lucky. I I can walk up on the South Downs with my dogs and not see a person for for days and it's it is just i mean the peace it's it's heaven yes it's and that's heaven. like you like you it's why i feel so profoundly that we must protect it we mm. must protect this magnificent extraordinary planet that we're on and the the best way to protect it is by respecting all the species that feed this planet and make it as fertile as they do, and to stop invading their habitat and concreting it over. You know, we've just got to get our head around all of that. And that is also very resonant. And all of these things, I think, link into kindness, compassion. I know there are imperatives like, I got to make a living, I need somewhere to live, you know, but there's plenty of space for people to live on this planet. Yes. And you know, if, if, if so, if one could encourage the few not to, to hold it all to themselves and all the riches on the planet and share it out a bit more. So um, it, it, it's, um, I, I mean, I do think, I think I'm not just a neurotic optimist, but I'm a bit of a neurotic optimist. I hope we're going in the right direction. I mean, I certainly feel, um, I, I feel every day such great pleasure. Um, and it's why I am um, an ethical vegan. And I think if everyone embraced veganism, we would solve so many problems on the planet because there, there are not many vegans I know that endorse any kind of cruelty. Um, and I'm very proud of that. And also interestingly, I, I, a very good friend of mine wrote a book uh, called Ethical Vegan, Jordi Casamagiana. Do, do you know him at all? Have you seen oh, him? I know the book, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. And in that, he goes into the um, origins of the Indian belief of Ahimsa. Uh, uh, ahimsa is to do no harm. And you know, there was a cult thousands of years ago, before veganism got its name, that was vegan. If only we lived in a world where we did no harm, and we lived by your words of 
empathy, compassion, kindness, and understanding. And if our world was filled with people like you, it would certainly be a very, very different place. Well, that's nice. So, and you, I hasten to add. <laughs> uh, I, I'd try and do my my bit, but you know, Peter, you're an extraordinary man, and I literally feel so very grateful and truly humbled to have been able to sit and talk to you today. So, oh, thank time. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And give your dogs a huge hug from me. I will do. I certainly will. It'll be a great, a great pleasure. So that's our show for today. If you liked today's show, please subscribe and rate us on wherever you get your podcasts. It does help other dog lovers to find us. Dog Bless You was produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions and presented by me, Nikki Tibbles. The music by Mike Hansen. And if you want to join or contribute to the Wild at Heart Foundation, please go to wildatheartfoundation.org. Thank you so much and see you soon.